This is Zion Hebraic Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. This week's Shabbat message is by myself. It is uh, entitled Hosea and the Land from Hosea chapters 1 and 2. Uh, if you're in the southern New Hampshire area, we meet every Shabbat uh, in Newfields at the little community church on Saturdays at 10 a.m. Feel free to come visit us. Uh, and you can check out our website, ZionHebraicCongregation.com. You can find archived Shabbat messages there, as well as my dad's weekly essays that he writes. You can subscribe to those with your email if you put your email in the little email subscribe box. And you can also find our Shabbat messages wherever you get your podcasts. And our theme music is by my buddy Evan Shaw. His website is EvanshawMusic.com. Enjoy. All right, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. We're going to be in Hosea chapter 1 and 2, and uh, we're going to read both chapters and kind of go through them and um, and just talk about them. Working my way through Hosea and... and <laughs> So it should be good. All right. Uh, Hosea chapter 1, verse 1. <laughs> and the word of the Lord came unto Hosea the son of Bari in the days of Uzziah, Yotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. The beginning of the word of Yehovah by Hosea. And Yehovah said to Hosea, Go, take thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredom. For the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from Yehovah. So he went into Gomer, daughter of Dibliam, butchering that, which conceived and bare him a son. And Yehovah said unto him, Call his name Yezreel. For yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Yezreel upon the house of Yehu. And I will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Israel. And she conceived again and bare a daughter. And God said unto him, Call her name Lo-Ruhama. For I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah and will save them by Yahweh their God. Uh, and will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, nor by horses, nor by horsemen. Now when she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, she conceived and bore a son. Then said God, Call his name Lo-Ami, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered, and it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, Ye are sons of the living God. Then shall the children of Israel or Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together, 
and appoint themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land, for great shall be the day of Yezreel. And we'll keep going into chapter 2. Say ye unto your brethren, Ami, and to your sisters, Ruhamah, Plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts. Lest I strip her naked and set her as the day that she was born, and make her as a wilderness, and set her like a dry land, and slay her with thirst. And I will not have mercy upon her children, for they be the children of whoredoms. For their mother played the harlot, that she conceived them that have done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers that gave me my bread and my water, my wool, my flax, my oil, and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her paths. And she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. She shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband. For then it was better with me than now. For she did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. Therefore I will return and take away my corn in the time thereof, and my wine in the season thereof, and will recover my wool and my flax given to cover her nakedness. Now I will discover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and none shall deliver her out of mine hand. And I will also cause all her mirth to cease. And her feast days, her new moons, her Sabbaths, and all her solemn feasts. And I will destroy her vines and her fig trees, where she hath said, These are my rewards that my lovers have given me. And I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall devour them, shall eat them. And I will visit upon her the days of Balim, wherein she burned incense unto them, and she decked herself with earrings and her jewels, and she went after her lovers and forgot me, saith Yahweh. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her vineyards from thence in the valley of Ahor for a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as at the day when she came up out of Egypt, out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be in that day, saith Yehovah, that thou shalt call me Ish and shalt call me no more Baali. For I will take away the names of Baalim out of her mouth and they shall no more be remembered by their name. In that day I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, the fowls of the heavens, with creeping things of the ground, and I will break the bow and the sword and the battle out of the earth, and I will make them to lie down safely. And I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment and in loving kindness and in mercies. And I will ever betroth thee unto me in faithfulness, and thou shalt know Yehovah, and it shall come to pass in that day, I will hear, saith Yehovah, I will hear the heavens, and they shall hear the earth. And the earth shall hear the corn, and the wine, and the oil, and they shall hear Yezreel. And I will sow her into me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her that have not obtained mercy. And I will say unto them which were not my people, Thou art my people. And they shall say, Thou art my God. Alright, so let's pray real quick, and then we'll get into this. Heavenly Father God, thank you for your word, and this time to be together, time to be able to read your word and study and grow and learn. And I just pray that you would work in and through us, that we would uh, learn from these lessons to uh, be the people you would have us to be, Father. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. So, Jose is writing in a time um, where, well, in a, over a period of time where you have the split between the northern and the southern kingdom. Judah is split off from Israel, or Israel, the northern kingdom of Ephraim, is split off from Judah. And 
Israel, the northern kingdom, becomes engrossed in idolatrous worship. And, uh, and so you end up with, with this kind of distinction where the northern kingdom is pretty much involved in idolatry all the time and Judah kind of flip-flops back and forth. One good king, one bad king, idol worship, not much idol worship, and some sort of mixture in between. Eventually, the northern kingdom gets taken away into captivity and dispersed. Some of them go down into Judah, into the southern kingdom, and they, uh, and they live down there, but the most of them are, are taken away captive <laughs> into Assyria. So, um, so you have Hosea here, who is supposed to be a prophet unto both Judah and Israel, but primarily Israel. And God tells him to take a wife who basically is going to commit adultery. Uh, and so he has three children with her. And then it seems like from as best we can tell, she goes astray and uh, maybe has other children. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, maybe, But either way, is, is acts adulterously. But then he takes her back, and we're not going to get into that. That starts in chapter 3. But he brings her he brings her back and actually purchases her back. And what that is a picture of, and oftentimes what God does through these prophets that he sends unto the children of Israel, is he makes them live out as a physical representation what's going on between the kingdom of God and his people Israel and God himself and so he uses these prophets as a living example which is a pretty horrible <laughs> plight it's like all these people want to like be prophets it's like no you don't no you don't you don't want to be a prophet it's I mean you're in for a, a rough road so so anyway um so uh Yehu was the king of Israel so we read in verse 4 that he was the uh uh, he was, or actually in verse 1, or Jeroboam, well, no, actually, I take that back. So, yeah, he was king of Israel, anointed by Elijah. So, Yezreel, because that's the first name of the first son, he, that was a location of uh, a lot of Baal worship, a lot of idol worship. And so, he was supposed to anoint, I think that's where he actually, Elijah went up and anointed him. But it all goes back to the period of time and why God has such a problem with the northern kingdom is you have that whole period of Elijah and Elijah and, and Ahab and all the idol worship and Jezebel and the really the, the destruction and the bringing down morally and ethically of, of the northern kingdom with the bringing in of these false gods, these, these things that... What he says as you get into chapter 2, that the Israel departed from him and instead of recognizing that all of their sustenance, their information, their directives as how to live, and then what comes, the blessings that come out of those directions of how to live, uh, they misappropriate all that to the false gods and they start drawing their information from the gods of the nations which is disseminated via the leadership of the country through Ahab and all these things. And so God sends prophets to try to turn the people back and to get them to recognize what's going on. But so you have Israel, especially you get into chapter 2. And uh, so or chapter 2, verse 5, she said, I will go after my lovers that give me bread, water, wool, flax, uh, and my drink. So they think that they're getting it from these 
these other sources instead of relying on God. And what's interesting, um, mm, let's see if I can find my uh, my note here. Uh, oh, I can't find where I wanted to do. Anyway, that's okay. Maybe it was back there, so it's somewhere else. Oh, here it is. It's in verse 2. I just couldn't find it. I knew. In verse 2 of chapter 1. So you get to the end here. He tells Hosea, take a wife of whoredoms, children of whoredoms. But then I find it really interesting. It says, for the land hath committed great whoredom. So I find that really fascinating. He doesn't say that the people create a great whoredom. But when you read, and I was listening to a, a guy uh, who's a Hebrew teacher, and he, he talked about how the relationship between the people and the land and this, it's a symbiotic relationship. And as the people go, the land goes. As the land goes, the people go. And so they think that they're getting their sustenance and their information on how to live from these idols, from these false gods. And it's a, it's a pollution. And so what it does is it ends up corrupting and polluting the land such that the land has, has a foreign seed in it. It, 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 so, because Israel is looked at at like like as one with the land, and the woman is also looked at as as the the, the earth the, the, to put it into a very natural perspective, because that's where the seeds planted, and then that's where the fruit it produces and is grown. And so, when they have foreign worship and idol worship, and they're getting their information because uh, they talk about. There's a word, I forget what it is. But anyway, the council, if you follow the etymology of the word council, it actually is related to uh, the tree and the, this idea of, the, of a tree, which is where you eat, which is where you get the fruit, which is where the seed comes. And so, and that's what sustains you. And that's the idea of council and why it's all I tried agriculturally with the words, that word word is related to bees and pollination and so there's this whole agricultural picture so as the people go so the land goes and that's why to be separated from the land is a curse to be to be outside of land is a curse because god meant for his people to be in the land where he would bless them through the cycles of the festivals and the growing seasons and the rain and the resting of the land and then the people working in harmony with a symbiotic relationship to all that, where all things work together as it should, because there's it's all frequencies, it's all electromagnetic fields, there's physics to all of what they do. But when foreign information comes in, or they start to act from the from the uh, from what they think in their own heart in their own mind, you end up with contamination and with uh, uh, a distortion of what's true. And so they think that they, um, like you go to verse 2, 
chapter 2, verse 8, she did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and her gold, which they prepared for Baal. And so you end up having the people taking the things that God has provided for them and offering up, taking their resources and giving them to idol worship, to Baal, to these uh, false systems that they then conduct themselves in different ways. And I think the same thing happens today. We live in a very in a, in a wickedly idolatrous world. And so it's full of false religions. And uh, so we take oftentimes our efforts, our time, our money, the fruits of our labors, and we end up giving them to the gods of this world with nothing to show for it. Wherein, whereas God gave us these things that we're supposed to use to build his kingdom and to build our families and to teach our children and use our time wisely. But we end up getting sucked into the, the snares and the traps and the devices of the wicked that suck up our time and our resources and our energy. And so we don't end up producing the fruit that God intended us to produce. And I think part of the challenge that we live in in the exile is that because we are separated from the cycles and the the vibrations of the land, we we don't live in an environment where where it all flows together. We're trying to cram the cycles and the lifestyle and the culture of the Bible into a foreign environment, and it just doesn't quite work. And so that's why we feel stuck oftentimes and and torn all the times and disconnected and and at least for me i'll speak for myself and like i'm always bumping up against the world and life and cycles and you're always fighting this upstream battle because god didn't design it to be this way and that's why i think as the more we get we, we, the more we return to God's cycles and God's ways and His information and His Word and we spend our time in that, I believe that it, it rekindles in us a desire to have His kingdom reestablished and to be back in the land and that His rulership would be back over the earth. And so He is setting up Hosea as an example of what His people are doing. And it's a very, very... Uh, sad thing to see you know he has this wife they have three kids and she goes astray and then he has to buy her back and and god's trying to say hey this is what you're doing to me um so what i find interesting though to go on um is you get down to chapter or chapter one verse ten and he kind of gives us a window and a look into what's going to happen and paul quotes this from this passage in romans 9 not going to get into that because it's it's, you it's hard to just drop into one spot where Paul's speaking because uh, it's very uh, deep thought, long form reading, and you can't just slice and dice it very easily. So, but in verse ten of chapter one, it says, "Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea," because he says, you know, prior to that, he says, "You're not my people, and I will not be your God," and that's what's happened because the people are not reacting to God's instruction. And so eventually it reaches that point where God's like, fine, go and react to whatever you want to react to. Have fun and suffer the consequences. But uh, as, he has prom- as he promised the Abraham that his children would be as the sand of the sea, so yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor number, and it shall come to pass 
that in that place where it was said unto them, you're not my people, there shall be said unto them, ye are sons of the living God. And Paul compares this in Romans, read it for yourself, but he compares it to the, the Gentiles who are coming into the kingdom and who are following Yeshua and believing on him. And that's part of when we get to um, the... Uh, when it says in, in verse 11, Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel gather together and appoint themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land. I believe that that's referenced to, in the end, when um, whether it's David or the prince or whoever that end figure is, or just Yeshua, I believe that it will be this rallying around of the children of Israel and the children of Judah around Yeshua as their Messiah, and they will appoint him as their leader, and they will come up out of the land. Uh, and 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 be reestablished, and so Paul's references in these 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 those from the nations who are coming out of every background and every culture that they've been in and are joining themselves unto God and uh, serving Him, and so that's going to eventually happen. But then he kind of goes back into uh, in verse two the. Um, the punishment that's going to come on Israel. Um, if you go to chapter 2, verse 13, it says, I will visit upon her the days of Balim, wherein she burned incense unto them. And and, and go down and, and forgot me. Uh, so they're, they're, they're praying, basically, to these false gods. They're, they're asking them for what they should be asking God for. You know, provision, safety, whatever things you normally pray for. Talking to them, you know, it, it become that that source that they enter and that they engage with all the time. So, he says in fourteen, therefore, behold, I will allure allure her and bring her into the wilderness. Which this is interesting to me because if you go back into Ezekiel, he says, I will draw the people out into the wilderness of the people, and so I believe that's what he's starting to do right now because. That's what God did the first time when he brought them. And he, I think he does it physically and spiritually where he brings his people out of slavery, out of bondage. But then he's got to take them into a, an isolated place and situation. And I don't know about you guys, but you know, you try to live this way, you end up starting to feel pretty isolated. And so you feel like you're in this desert wasteland, you know, not, not where you were, not where you're supposed to be, but wandering around, right? And so he's going to bring them into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her, and then uh, promising things that he's going to that he says he's going to give them. He's going to take her Israel as her uh, his betrothed again. And seventeen, I will take away the names of Balim out of, the, of out of her mouth. So this because Israel when they came out of Egypt they didn't just immediately drop their idol worship right. They built the calf. They complained. They wanted to go back. They missed the food they were getting. You know, they, uh, you know, it's hard to, you You can take the Israelite out of Egypt, but it's hard to take Egypt out of the Israelite when they first leave. And that's the same thing for us. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes work to extract yourself from these world religious, and I use that purposely, these worldly religious systems that have created. It's interesting. I read a book where he said, you may think of yourself as a, um, it was so fascinating, he said, if you, you may think of yourself as an, even an atheist or an agnostic, but, but if you are on social media, you have adopted a religion. It was really interesting. This is a, it was a tech guy, a tech, he's been around forever. 
I thought that was really fascinating because these things, these they are the communication mediums and they've always been around. It's just now it's on all of our pockets. And so we have to be more and more vigilant to be drinking from the stream of information that comes from God, which is his word. And uh, in, a, in a world of constant distractions and constant information trying to take over your mind, you gotta, you gotta fight. And it takes work. But God's going to help us, he says. He'll take the names of Belim out of their mouth. Uh, and he's going to make a covenant. He's going to betroth them back to herself. Uh, and they will be, be his people once again. But, oh, and I, I want to go back. I forgot to mention. Um, uh, where is that? Uh, Oh, yeah. I can't find it now. Oh, there it is. For chapter 2, verse 6. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns and make a wall, and she shall not find her paths. So I, what's interesting is God actively work when, when his people depart from them. He actively works against them. He sends thorns. And, that, and, and you re, it's really interesting when you follow that word thorns and briars and thickets through the bible it talks about when they first go into the land and they don't drive out the foreign peoples that they would be thorns in their sides and pricks in their eyes and i think it's also what paul was relating to when he talked about the thorn in his side which i believe was was uh were people i don't think it was a physical ailment i think it was basically the religious authorities that were against him in the day and uh because that's what they're that's what the thorns and the they're always out to keep down the righteous and keep them from producing fruit you know you have the the parable of the of the uh, that yeshua talks about where um they plant the seed and thorns and thickets grow up and the cares of this world and they choke out uh the fruit that should be produced so anyway nothing too too crazy and wild today but uh i thought it was a great couple chapters that i wanted to cover here and uh and it's i feel like it's a I feel like a little bit of a broken record constantly all the time when I talk through a lot of the Tanakh because it's 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 kind of the same message over and over again. God pleading with his people to return to them, leave the false worship and the false way and idolatry that is in them and, and turn back to him, keep his ways. And so it's the same thing for us, really. It's that constant battle that you have to keep teaching each generation that they they need to serve and obey God, know his ways, learn them, implement them in their lives and do them so that we can produce fruit and works of righteousness to be built up as his kingdom to eventually rebuild the kingdom spiritually and physically, which I believe is, is happening. But it, uh, it doesn't happen overnight and, it's, uh, and it takes consistent work and Consist, consistent reevaluation and evaluation of your own heart and your own life and where your shortcomings and weak points are so that you can you know, apply your time and your efforts wisely, especially with families and teaching children to raise them up properly and so that they know the word of God and uh, have that. Um, not that they'll all turn out perfectly, but, um, but that's still our job is to teach these things diligently to our children 
and, uh, and to apply them into our own lives to know them. And you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to be, know all the biblical languages and, and be able to you know, have a, a doctorate in systematic theology. And I think, if anything, that, that cripples a lot of our independent thinking because I think God designed all of us to, to work as we, he individually created us. And when, when we have that relationship and, and walk with him that's alive, and then he can work through our individual personality and spirit with his spirit, it will produce a more vivid and vibrant growth that he wants to happen in, in the world. Um, so I think it's important to do that. So we'll, we'll pray and then we'll take comments afterwards. <laughs> Mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does lie only away. For soon is the day when we see your face on the mount of your grace and your own.